Thank you for downloading this episode of Software Gone Wild, a podcast focused on everything software defined. To get more episodes and explore other SDN and network automation resources, visit sdn.ipspace.net. Welcome to Avi Friedman Fan Club. <laughs> I joined the Fan Club when Avi surprised us with a networking field day presentation talking about, of course, Kentic and telemetry and nice graphs and whatever else. And it was definitely the best presentation of that particular networking field day and probably one of the best presentations I've ever seen at networking field days and one of the like top 1% of all presentations I've seen in my life. So when Avi dropped me a message saying, hey, we should talk about all this crap called streaming telemetry and how that's all hype, I was like, yay, let's do that. <laughs> you all know that I sort of stepped back away from the podcast and now Nick Buraglio is recording them, but I wouldn't miss this for the world. Of course, I'm not alone. David G. and Chris Young are also here. Elisa Yashinska, definitely in Avi's fan club, wanted to be here, but couldn't. Same with Nick Braglio. So, you know, you got us all together after a long, long while, Avi. Some of them couldn't make it. Sorry about that. But here we are. And welcome, Avi Friedman from Kentek. Thank you so much. And thank you, David and Chris. It's great to meet other people that I learn from and people like teaching each other. Uh, so I'm happy to be here. And I'm pretty sure I know why you like my networking field day presentation. It's because I don't know enough marketing words to say them. Maybe Chris can teach me. But uh, so I try to explain it as it is and answer the questions as they come. Ouch. <laughs> I do want to say I don't love SNMP. It's just what we have. And so I am so looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's not all hype, but we can talk about it. And like most of good and bad technology, it's full of good intentions. But we can talk about that a little. So uh, contrary to vendor marketers who are exposed to telemetry through hype and PowerPoint slide decks, Avi actually has to deal with this stuff on the daily basis in production because uh, Kentic, if I got it right, is effectively a company that takes your telemetry data and somehow does something, some magic with it in the cloud and then produces those magically looking graphs. So how far off am I? <laughs> No, pretty good. I mean, we are a software as a service company. So we're cloud, as you said, that people send their live network telemetry to streaming, but only a tiny bit streaming telemetry, but streaming live from devices as we've done from decades. And we produce the analysis that people use to run their infrastructure. And most of our customers are people that make the internet. So, so service providers, cloud providers, and all that, or people that deliver applications or you know, their business stuff over the internet. And so our customers almost all have network or infrastructure in the title. Sometimes they're security, sometimes they're product, but mostly they're architects and engineers and people like that. And our company is full of people like that from a background as we learn producting and marketing and all those things. Uh, we try to stay close to the community. So you are effectively running traffic management as a service. Well, that's a separate religious thing, you know, what you think of Noxion. In the past, I actually started a product that became Sockeye and spun it out. So I've done, it was more route maps than prefixes to affect things. So it was much harder to blow up the internet by being, you know, make clueless. But uh, I've done traffic management. Right now, 
we do let people take action on the insights that we provide, and some of them do their own management, but actually more at the load balancing layer. Like, let me turn stuff up and load balance DNS or things like that. But yeah, the people that do planning, peering, transit, run data centers, WANs, campus, you know, what's going on. So, you know, it's like plan, build, run, and fix. Like all those things are the things that Kentic users do. Yeah, and if I remember your presentation, it was years ago, you were ingesting streaming telemetry even in those days, only it was called NetFlow and SFlow, right? Oh, I mean, you just stepped in it. I mean, that's the religious, I mean, that's part of this problem is we can't even agree on our terminology, right? The streaming telemetry people have no idea what traffic actually is. Like, it's like interface counters. It's like, what's going on for the interface? I don't know. You know, streaming telemetry means streaming some things, but not everything. So actually, you know, I sort of look at most of our data is, as you said, traffic. And that could be, so people say flow, right? So NetFlow, SFlow, but Cloudflow logs, host generating, you know, traffic data from eBPF or PCAP. I mean, we take a very broad view. Istio logs can be traffic, right? That has performance in it and just doesn't have TCP flags. And then we take device metrics. That's what I would call streaming telemetry, SNMP, CLI, API. It's things about the device that could be pushed or pulled. And then we take routing and we take business metadata. We take, we take a lot of stuff and put it together. But yes, we started with traffic and then are adding the other kinds of network telemetry. I have to say this. Do you take a broad enough view to take broad view? <laughs> we have, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I'll simplify. My marketing, I'm sorry, I'll stop picking on you for marketing. It's like marketing teachers told me simplify, yes. So, no, I, and I was going to ask what is seemingly the most obvious softball question on the face of the planet. What is streaming telemetry? But for anybody in the space, it's probably the hardest question to answer. You know, we've seen Broadview, we've seen the flow, IP fix, SFlow, all that. We have seen the interface stats coming out in a streaming telemetry, kind of the uh, gRPC Cisco stuff. We have seen what uh, the SysDB kind of stuff coming from Arista. There's an Aruba variant of that. So do you have a definition? Yeah, I love that SysDB stuff. I don't know, those two things went together. <laughs> The definition of streaming telemetry, as, as our customers talk about it, is the same as the vendors and, you know, even the ITF crowd use. Although I don't really spy on the ITF much because it makes me want to drink and I don't like alcohol. So, you know, I can't really go to those things. Uh, welcome to the ITF fan club. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the good work that's done, but uh, I can't, you know, live in that sausage factory. So I was actually there with friends at some of the big web companies that I think are behind the current vector of definitionally streaming telemetry. And it was, you know, you all do have done a whole bunch of education about SDN. Thank you. And it was back in the white box days. And so white box was this big threat to Juniper, Cisco and Arista. And Microsoft, Facebook, Google were saying, y'all suck and you have bugs and you know, we can't find, you know, optics that are bad at large scale and, and routing table updates that don't propagate forwardly in distributed basis. You need to just send us everything and then we'll figure it out. We're software companies. And they terrified the vendors that they were going to go buy white box stuff. And so the big vendors were like, sure. Okay. How do you want it? Okay. They want it UDP. They want it self-describing JSON. They want it. I mean, it wasn't even DRPC at the time. And then, you know, they're like, awesome. We built this. Let's market it. So we have streaming telemetry. And then everyone realized, oops, we forgot the MIB. So every vendor is their own thing. And then now everyone's really proud of model 
based streaming telemetry, which means we found the MIB, except it's much smaller, you know, than MIBs actually. So model-based streaming telemetry was like well-marketed, but it just means like moderately useful. Now, the problem is none of this actually relates deterministically to like SNMP and that kind of data, which was the whole idea was get everything. So streaming telemetry had, I'll say a few really interesting use cases when I first saw it, like microburst detection. Now, I actually have I don't know, 30 customers doing streaming telemetry, zero of them do it at less than 30 second intervals. So not microbursty. Routing table like, you know, correlation. And there are two companies in the world that I know of, not customers, but big web companies that do that. And, you know, there were a lot of these good ideas about what you could do if you could get things much faster. And there was a lot of righteous hatred against, I'll just say, polling and SNMP in particular, given the security history. But there's no traffic. There's moderately config, although it sounds like open configs involved, but it's not actually configs coming out. Sometimes there's table stuff, sometimes there isn't. So if you look at the, I don't know, 12 kinds of telemetry you can have from your infrastructure, it does a few of them. People are really excited about it, which is awesome. But the problem that we see people having is unifying this with all the tools that only do SNMP, all the devices in their network that only do SNMP, all the stuff that you can't get from SNMP that you have to see, you know, putting it together, you have to get from CLI. So putting it together, you know, is a big challenge for people, even though, you know, it's, it's moving towards usability and it can be a good replacement for sure for some people. Okay. But if we go back to the basics and the definitions, mm -hmm. streaming telemetry is supposed to be something that the device is sending you without you asking the device every time you want to see it, right? Right. When you ask it once once right yeah or multi yeah but and then it will send it to you now do you know what the first type of streaming telemetry for interface metrics was s flow s flow yes very few people know that i mean some people have argued with me that armon did it in some way but that's actually before my time like i started putting hands on in the mid 90s and i just cared about traffic telemetry you know cisco vxr which started you know having that flow but yeah, S-Flow has been annoying to many people, many vendors. Like, why is it sending me interface metrics? And it turns out that was really cool. And we just didn't congratulate them for it. I think I had an S-Flow guru on a podcast once, and I was really surprised to hear that. Because I only thought that S-Flow could send you like headers of sampled network packets. And he was like, no, 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 no. Linux people use this to send uh, interface metrics. Wow. If we have time at the end, we can talk as a bonus about SFlow's approach to sample packet headers, NetFlow and IPFix and the various ways that they can go right and wrong. But we'll save that for another time. Or we can get a group thing with Peter Fall from Inmon together. But yeah, that was basically the idea was SNMP as an approach, polling takes CPU. We have modern data buses, give it to us once and we'll distribute it again, which is great if you write all the software as a big web company does. And get granularity on things, don't have to stand on the formality of getting MIB definitions, have things be self-describing JSON until they discovered that was too much bandwidth. You know, there were a lot of good ideas about it. And we have some customers that are, I would say, primarily streaming telemetry, but they keep finding all these other devices that don't actually work. So I'm going to be building something next year that does the heresy. And I think I'm welcome in these conversations with the streaming telemetry fans, super fans. But I'm actually going to take streaming telemetry and expose it as SNMP because, again, I have a lot of customers that they have a lot of software that only knows how to pull things. You're going to be Inception. 
I've looked at this in the past and like on Cisco on, I don't remember what platform it was. And when you dug into it and looked at it, it seems that uh, like spontaneously, they just have this magic five minute polling interval for streaming out telemetry. And I'm like, my Lord, it was like a marketing person got involved. You took SNMP, ran it through a Jinja template and called it streaming telemetry. Like, is that what you've done here? And uh, so I just have this like now inception where, okay, great. So they took SNMP, ran it through a Jinja template. You're going to take that and convert it back into SNMP and around and around we go. It's worse than that. Remember in the 90s, you would read Cisco release notes and it would say, warning, insert it on this iOS version, inserting FIDI cards will cause sparks to spit out AUI ports. And you're like, how could they engineer that? Like, how could you possibly cause that bug? And the answer is in vendor land, it's much more diverse in, in a wondrous way, right? That diversity is good. And you would think it would all be the same thing, whether it's CLI, API, uh, SNMP, streaming telemetry, and then you're just changing the counters and boom, that would actually be a good state of things. But instead, like routers have been since the late 90s, you know, they have this, they're either running or rebooting, which was in 90s, everything was either basically working or rebooting. But then this confused state got introduced, you know, by distributed forwarding and all that. And so the reality of telemetry generation is there's a lot of confused state and architecture as some intern goes in and patches it up. And, you know, so there's a 30 second time over here, but then this comes in in different ways. It's wonderful. You know, I say on behalf of my engineers who get to take PCAPs and debug this stuff. Yeah, the real problem in any distributed platform and even a simple data center switch with an ASIC is honestly a distributed platform. Mm -hmm. It has the CPU, it has the ASIC. Do you go and read the counters every time you get the request? Or do you periodically read all the counters and update software data structures and then use that cache state for the next X seconds, X being 30 for obvious reasons? Right. Well, and do you generate the updates? This is more of a NetFlow or, or IP fixing. Do you generate, do you have the ASICs try to do their own watching and generation, or do you send it up to the control plane, you know, to format and send, and both have advantages and disadvantages? I think that's probably an interesting one. So you know, hands up, you know, I work for a big bad vendor still. You look at the kind of two types of telemetry, primarily on the Juniper platforms. You've got the kind of management plane streaming, which, yeah, the self-describing stuff. And then you've got Obviously, what comes from the MPUs and from the data plane, and you think, well, obviously, there's a split, not even a split brain. There's just two independent things going on. You've got the MPUs doing their own thing, and you've got the kind of control plane slash management plane doing their own things in two different formats as well, which is kind of interesting. The idea and the promise, it sounded good. Just give us everything, and we'll figure out your bugs. But it's just not something that's tractable for most, I'll pick on Juniper, Juniper customers, Cisco customers, Arista customers who are busy, you know, busy running their stuff. And I've found as well, having worked for a big vendor, that one of the other things is, is sometimes internally, uh, not everybody at the vendor understands how operations actually works. Is that a nice way to say that? Yeah. So I, I've seen now, for the record, if anybody knows where I used to work, because I have moved, this never saw the light of day. So I'm talking about something a little internal that was happening as a proof of concept internally. But Broadview exposed all the interface counters up. So we had the hardware interface address of the Broadcom ASIC and the queue number mapping of how Broadview, uh, Broadcom internally attached itself. That's, that was what was coming out of the streaming telemetry. And they went, this is great. And I went, okay, what port is that? That's gig what? And it's just <laughs> this hardware address. And there'd been queue manipulations and all the stuff that every single vendor does. But it was the way that the information was exposed was like 
both um, beautifully awesome and completely totally useless at the same time. It was like just, it was the perfect vendor paradox. You just have to hope that it's deterministically awesomely off and not, you know, Heisenberg versus Borbug type thing, you know, which with Nokia and Huawei, they have interesting ways of mapping interface IDs in between Flow and SNMP-ish. I don't think we're doing streaming telemetry with either yet, so I don't know about that. But they are time-based deterministic, so you just need to figure out... Actually, the time interval is not always deterministic, but the fact that there are intervals, and then you know, at intervals, things change, and you just need to pick it up, that's deterministic at least. So to word it a different way, then, it could almost be you receive a record, and then the next one could be the, the next subsequent interface, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, within time intervals, yeah. Yep. Let me recap that. We have the interface index in SNMP, which can be anything. It doesn't have to be 0, 1, 2, 3, 4. In theory, it could be 0, 7, 13, 42, right? I love how you say that like it's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in theory. And then you have the streaming telemetry, and you're saying that the interface index in a packet I get from SNMP is not the same as the interface index in a packet I get from streaming telemetry. And even worse, the interface index I get from streaming telemetry for the same interface can change over time. What I'm saying is this was a problem even with NetFlow, which is a kind of streaming telemetry. But if you call that streaming telemetry, people will get very upset. Oh, that's the other thing. NetFlow bad, streaming telemetry good. But NetFlow and SFlow and IPFix, well, SFlow has been better for reasons we discussed. But NetFlow and IPFix alone sometimes use input interface and output interface that are different from what you would get from SNMP, and you have to find ways to map it. And because that was such a special functionality, they have replicated that in some streaming telemetry implementations. In fact, different operating system groups at the same vendor will sometimes do different things, as one does. Yeah, and for the NetFlow thing... Cisco eventually did the right thing and had that yeah. uh, SNMP if index persistent across reboots, yes. the, the command that they added. Persisted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So th there is yeah. things that we did to take care of that. But uh, yeah. I think that, call me crazy here, but perhaps the vendor has a responsibility to normalize where how you represent a queue and how you represent an interface value, no matter, I don't care if it's an if index value or if it's an interface ID or if it's a name of an interface, like any of those things. I think that's the vendor's responsibility is how in my special little world that things should work. I have never worked for a capital V vendor or a routing vendor, so it's easy for me to snipe from the outside. But, you know, as a software vendor of software as a service, which is much easier because you don't get to actually install my software and upgrade it, you know, we do that. I would think, yeah, I have APIs. The CLI uses them. A subset of them I decide to export. We have some rate limiting and controls, but otherwise, and it might not be all the parameters, but you get the same thing. So I would think when you would build router software, which is ultimately what it is, there would be some stuff. And then whether it was CLI, API, SNMP, streaming telemetry, it'd be the same stuff. And I think there are different organizational reasons why that doesn't happen. As it's been explained to me, sometimes it's the curse of the intern that, you know, someone came in and they didn't understand the right protocols or what I call exigent engineering, which is sort of what happens when I write code or do cabling or whatever. You know, there's technical debt. We just need to do something it solved the problem for the customer, and then it creates some inconsistency that, ah, whatever, next major train, we'll get to that. And then it doesn't make it through the, the process. That's my mental model of what's going on. But maybe you and David can confirm or deny. I, I haven't worked at a major vendor, so 
or at a router vendor. And I wouldn't want that job. It's so, I can't even imagine. You know, you got customers asking for new functionality, not stability, then they yell at you when it's not stable. You never win. That's the problem. I have never seen an RFP come out that demanded that your operations, uh, you had normalized metrics across your operations. I've seen them asking for new features. So from a vendor standpoint, kind of in their defense to some degree, is they're all doing exactly what we're all asking for as customers. I, I, I yell at vendors for overhyping, which I did in my Nanog keynote a few weeks ago. And I've definitely given a hard time to colleagues or people that have shown me their RFPs for review that they don't prioritize stability in operations. They prioritize new features. But that's because their customers downstream are saying, I need this. I can't say even from this big bad vendors kind of world, there is some significant effort going into tidying some Mm -hmm. other problems up. So not only, so everything that's been said so far is is super valid. And then operationally, there, there is another issue. And that issue is this. When you go to a device and you want to understand what sensors are available on the device to allow you to attach it to an export profile and stream it, you have to go to the web documentation to figure out what sensor to configure if it's on the line card. And if it's via and pub subsystems on the, on the management plan and control plane, you have to go and figure out what to subscribe to. And my biggest beef with this has been, well, surely the system should be able to tell you from the configuration catalog. what counters are... Rev- right, exactly. So catalog why don't we have a catalog that is exposed via the OS that you can query them to go and get the sensors and either configure them for the, you know, the kind of permanent exports or subscribe to them. And that work is on, very much underway. I, I know that much because um, it's been one of my biggest gripes for the last two years. I've been banging my head against the brick wall on this problem. I think that all of us have been doing this so long that we're all... The, what, what did you say earlier? It was old gits. We have all seen this as much as we can gripe and complain. The last probably post 2012 focus on operations, focus on automation, focus like all of that. This industry has come just on an amazingly long way in the last, you know, seven, eight years. It just hasn't come far enough yet. So I I do kind of want to, you know, yes, I'm grumpy, but I also want to recognize all the people out there who are working at vendors who are trying to make this better. Thank you to all of them. Thank you to David, like everybody who's pushing. I don't want to be all negative. You know, it's 2020. Let's throw some, no, throw I know. some we, know, into the call. we know a lot of those folks, too, and our customers have sometimes been them and sometimes, you know, the door. Because there are people that have done operations that work at major vendors, and we appreciate those trying to push on those things. Yeah. So that part is good. And it's probably a separate podcast topic. But I think in ways we were ahead of the SRE DevOps, not that either of those were a term in the 90s. I built Mr. Crisco that took, you know, that took TACX logs in AAA and, you know, changed control of what was going on even before we had it, even before Tripwire, I think, was a thing. And then the Utes caught up and surpassed us. And so now the network people are, are trying to get post-hipster. And, and I apologize, David, for injecting catalogs. That seems like a 90s word. There must be a hipster word for catalog that is not catalog. So isn't that thingy now called single source of truth? That's it. I was just trying, I try to remember catalog, obviously, it just sounded so 90s. Okay. Anyway, we started with streaming telemetry. We sort of agreed to have no clue what it is, but is it at least useful? Do you get something with this fancy new thingy, which, as we discovered, is the same old thingy, just in shinier new clothes? So is there anything useful going on or is it just hype? No, there's absolutely great reasons driving behind it. 
It fits well with the architectures that people are looking to build in modern ways, which generally have a data bus that you're adapting data into and then have multiple consumers. And I know a handful of people, at least a handful of companies, that are doing some of the things they were originally promised. For example, microburst detections. Now, it turns out that, sorry to be negative again, if you actually turn on streaming updates many times a second from your interfaces, you have some of the same CPU issues you were looking to avoid from SNMP, but being able to pull, get data, being able to get data much more rapidly than five minutes, right, down into the few seconds, being able to look at routing churn as a separate data stream and try to correlate that with performance issues, and being able to map some of those sensors and basically have a build a MIB, but in a modern sense. I've got customers doing all those things, but it's very difficult and rare and bespoke right now. People have to build their own stacks. And then they have concomitant challenges in terms of the things that don't yet support streaming telemetry. But there's a lot of excitement about it because it does fit into the way people want to operate. And there are, I would say, a couple use cases. The grand vision of ML, you know, just throw it all into a big data store and the magic machines will tell us what's wrong and fix everything. There's a lot of hype about that, but that's not where we are. But it's definitely the architecture people want. You could argue, though, couldn't you, that, like, grab your data, throw it into a data store. I mean, it doesn't matter what the input source is, whether that's kind of high-frequency input from a telemetry stream or whether you're just polling SNMP and throwing it in. It's one of the things that's annoyed me, actually, is the consumption hasn't necessarily changed, uh, even though the, the kind of way receiving the data in some cases has. And it's one of the biggest gripes I've got. It, you know, it's kind of like instead of having an RRD, what we do instead is we go and throw it into a time series database and go, yay, telemetry. And, and we haven't actually gained anything at this point, other than now you've got a huge expenditure for disks and for storage, unless obviously you're using SAS. It just seems a little bit mad. We, we changed some things and then we left other things to, you know, just to the kind of whim of the gods almost. Well, the challenge was to be positive about streaming telemetry. <laughs> so on the, on the positive sense, I do know people that are doing it, but it is just as to pick on vendors. The promise is self-driving networks and closed-loop automation, but the reality is 20 network engineers with their own Python version of the same thing, automating what they did with the CLI, and now able to make mistakes with furiously automated pace. Promise of streaming telemetry, if you look at the promise was all this machine learning, auto-debugging, whatever, but if you went to the last physical Cisco Live, there were 10 and not to pick just on Cisco, I didn't go to Network Next or whatever the Juniper one is called. But the promise was that, but then it was pick one sort of show command and we'll show you how to set that up in a streaming telemetry thing. Or here's how to take all the sensors, put it in influx and then query it whenever you need it instead of querying the CLR or build a graph for it. So I think the idea is good. I do know people that are doing it, but the trick is it's probably a little more than your network engineer with Python. It's probably more of a tools group thing that should have a mandate Otherwise, your data lake is a data swamp, like SCCS, the source code control system, programs check in but never check out. It's the same thing for data. If you don't have a plan about how to use it, correlate it. So it's possible to do something with it, but it's a software engineering thing more than network discipline, uh, how to use that, correlate it. And in that sense, yes, having something every five seconds could be better than having something every five minutes. It does help you a little bit. So there is some benefit. I would also say that from a benefit standpoint, just having it in JSON or gRPC, mm -hmm. that is a huge benefit in that, as you said, you can have a tools group, you can throw some data scientists at it, and they're going to be fine to munge away and, and you know, 
take their big paddle and swoosh around the ML bucket and find some, some insights. I challenge anybody to take that same group and throw them to a database full of ASN 2.1, like the black magic of SNMP, like they just don't know it. So I think just normalization of the data structure and making that accessible to other groups allows them to potentially get some stuff out of it. But Chris, realistically, if you want to have some time series database, or if you want to have some message bus or what have you, what's stopping you from doing SNMP polls and normalizing that into JSON and pushing that onto your preferred data passing, whatever hype driven architecture? I mean, you could have done that 20 years ago. So what's the problem? Could I do that given enough time, alcohol, and just sheer determination of will, tyranny of will? Sure. Could you do that? Could David do that? How many networking engineers actually understand SNMP? Not me. So I think that, is it possible? Sure. Would I want to start do a startup in 2020 focused on SNMP? Maybe not. How many sysadmins understand DNS? I mean, just to be fair to network people. DNS confuses me more than SNMP, at least. I would say watch this space because I actually think that this is one of the biggest challenges we as network folks have is, to me, it just seems, as we were all talking about, it seems like metrics should be metrics, whatever the formatting. And to your point, Chris, there are downstream consumers, and some of those are controllers, and some of those are data buses, and some of those are data systems, and some of them are human at, at some point. And I think that there needs to be a translation layer. So, for example, a lot of our customers use Telegraph with SNMP, and you know they're in the tick stack with Influx, and they do their queries there. That's what they use instead of RRD and MRTG or Cacti or whatever. I think there's a lot of religion about SNMP and its things, or streaming telemetry and its things. But I have customers like Jeremy Schulman at MLB who had to write his own thing to do DOM monitoring because, as you may or may not know, not everything is available in SNMP or streaming telemetry or API. Sometimes you need to go to good old-fashioned CLI, which is probably just making an API call underneath to get it. It's just not exposed. On Junos, yes. On iOS, definitely no. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a couple of things there that are worth talking about. I mean, um, the translation layer, I think that some vendors have recognized that for sure. I mean, a lot of OSs now have a pluggable translation layer where you write a little bit of code, put it into the system, and then you can take, you know, take that raw information and, and translate it into whatever format that you need downstream. But there are people in the community that will always go ahead and build something instead of use what's already there. Jeremy is one of them. I mean, I know Jeremy is a builder. People are yeah. always going to build, even though things exist. I mean, th that translation layer is a good point. I think you have to go off and read the docs, and it's very much a, you know, in the small print, oh, by the way, inversion, whatever, whatever. Right. You know, there is this yeah. thing then, oh, I didn't know that. Needs to happen in a multi-vendor way. Verizon has a project called Panoptes, which will take SNMP and put it on a bus. So actually, it does exactly what you're talking about, Chris. You actually take SNMP, put it on a bus, and then let take it as a time series stream, and then let other people consume it. It wasn't designed with streaming telemetry, though, even though it streams telemetry, but not, you know, classic streaming telemetry, which I think they're working on. And its architecture lets you have, I think it's a pipeline class per, for router and then Juniper router and then Junos version or Junos router type, I think, you know, MX and then Junos version. And then that's where you can put in querying your APIs to unify it. 
So there's some attempt at least to do this. Okay, well, there's some things which are SNMP. There's some things that are API. I don't know whether they do CLI. And then they try to have multiple things downstream, although they don't have the SNMP API because that just turns people's stomachs to re-expose stuff as SNMP. But somewhere in Verizon, I guarantee you there are a bunch of systems. Now, Netflix has worked with Google on something which is all open config and GNMI. And my critique of that for what I want, want to see built is that it requires you basically to be in the GNMI open config ecosystem. And I think we need to have this device metrics in streaming in some way and exposed to the other ops groups at our companies who also, you know, hopefully are giving us data and we need to give them data. So there are some efforts in this realm and I'm hoping to kick something off that'll be on the open side because I think we're being held back from whatever you call it, automation, telemetry, observability by... We know the data is there. We just, everyone has to go build how to get all this data and unify. And there's some start of innovation and I hope it'll pick up pace next year. So perhaps this is a bit of a, like a rabbit hole. We, we can choose not to go down. I'm okay with that, guys. Microburst detection, black mm-hmm. hole detection. There's this uh, suite of kind of use cases that when streaming telemetry first came out, they're like, look, we can do this stuff. That's never really been a problem for you that you knew of. I'm like, and I've always been fascinated, like, it seemed very much in the, uh, here's a solution looking for a problem that may or may not exist. So are you actually seen in practice after having been a practitioner in this space for a bit? Are these actual problems? Yes, but I've seen some really large scale infrastructure, which is where, as with anything, things magnify. Just a quick digression. One of the fun network engineer interview questions is how fast is an Ethernet? And then you ask, you know, sort of over what time frame you're actually trying to get down to is, you know, ultimately it's either on or off because it's a serial interface, right? So that's, if you think about microburst detection, it depends on your time scale, what you're looking at, because people that get religious about, oh my God, the interface is full. It's basically when it's in use, it's full, <laughs> you know, on a instantaneous basis. However, there can definitely be applications that I've seen on production infrastructure, even back I mean, in the hundred, in the 10 and 100 meg days, but also up to, for me, I stopped at the 10 gig, you know, actually operating infrastructure that saw this, but at Akamai, we'd have applications that you'd look like on a 95th percentile basis on a 30 second poll, you'd look like you were doing two gigabits, but you would see for microseconds enough fullness that it would bust queues and get upset. Now, generally, I believe QoS should be quantity of service, but we generally still have less bandwidth in the middle than we do at the endpoints. And so, yes, I think the large web companies, certain financial services companies, you can have applications that have access and will do things to the network that make everything else difficult. How many people have that? You may know better from vendor work. Are people doing that with streaming telemetry? I would say P4, if it was ever actually going to be realistic for people to have written their own code and deployed it into the infrastructure, was a little bit more like that, right? INT, actually, I think, as an approach, had more promise, but we just don't see people running that. But you can also do microburst detection by having histograms of link usage come out as counter-type things, too. It doesn't need to be, you know, 100 times a second from the interface. So yes, but not much is the short answer. What do you see from Juniperland? Or are we not allowed to ask vendor questions? <laughs> nah, I can give you a high level, certainly. Mm-hmm. Around the microburst piece, Financial houses are typically interested in the microburst piece 
I think it really comes down to the economics of what your underlying customers do with their infrastructure, whether it comes down to your generating revenue as a, an ISP, kind of IXP, and, and what your loss looks like. So for a financial house, it could look like a boatload of transactions, things getting stuck, things getting dropped. If you're a CDN, do you really care about microburst or are you more interested in how a 95th traditional percentile thing, you know, kind of graph looks? I mean, we're seeing interest without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and there are customers turning it on and customers using it. I don't really know if I can kind of go any deeper than that. Certainly, if I go back to the ops days, uh, we used to engineer our, our uplinks and downlinks certainly for CDN and for deploying game updates. And we didn't really care about kind of microburst more that we roughly knew what the interfaces were doing every time we polled them. And, you know, the, the quickest route for us, knowing that we had an issue, was a phone would ring. And it would be a you know a group of players in some country somewhere were shouting at us in some language we didn't understand. It was ah, oh. you know, put the phone down and figure out. And when we go off, take a look. Now, from a financial point of view, I think heads roll. It's a bit more severe than just getting shouted at in Spanish. I know more people that are doing microburst detection with streaming telemetry operationally than black hole detection. Kentic customers, as I said, we've got dozens and dozens of them. I believe thirty seconds, maybe ten seconds, is the shortest interval that people have. So it's not really consistent with, I wouldn't call that microburst detection. Black hole detection, as far as I'm aware, that's the handful of web companies because that requires building a semantic model of the device and MIBs and FIBs and, and such, which is, again, it's a software engineering work, not a replacement yeah. for CLI influx query. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it? The next steps, I think that certainly I've been very depressed, not depressed about, not in the suicidal sense, but just in a technological sense is, where we go with this. So uh, microburst detection is interesting if you're going to do something with, something with the data. Now, whether that data's wrapped up, you know, whether a line card's taking care of it and you're getting the summary data of that. But if you're doing nothing with it and it turns into an email alert, really kind of who cares? If you need to, to action some stuff, it only makes sense when you have some model of a network or some model of the system, you, then you can feed that data into to cause an effect. There's certainly action, oh, that's not the right word I'm looking for at all kind of you know allow an action to self-regulate across the network there's a word i'm looking for i can't find it for the life of me it's that time of the day sorry it's age and grumpy old guy age at that no it is and it will come to me when we move on i can assure you of that <laughs> i do think that for microburst it is i would love to see well there's only really five vendors that we live with so i guess we could build it five times i'd love to see a standard despite what i said about ITF, who I think are great. I just, it's just not for me to be helping create all that. For again, maybe it's just a histogram of inter packet times or Q depth that gets exported once every five seconds or 10 seconds or whatever. I think that would be enough resolution for most people. The idea that you need to know which flow most, I just, unless you're security, you're not storing every flow anyway. So you just need to know the shape of how full the interface was over some period of time. And that could be heresy, SNMP, it could be streaming telemetry, it could be API. There are a lot of different ways you could get that data. And I do think that'd be really interesting and it would save people time by being confirmatory or disprove, right? Sometimes it's super valuable just to have data that says the problem's not here. And so, you know, since we all live in the network front line and we're getting sniped at by the other operational groups and by the business and all that, sometimes it's mean time to innocence is in fact a useful thing. If you can save people time, then that's a net positive. But that being said, I've got SNMP right now, and over a five-minute window, I can empirically prove it's not me. Look, there's no problem. <laughs> With five minutes of accuracy. Yes. No, averaged over five minutes, the link is half empty. How good is that? 
That's right. <laughs> we didn't get into it. That's another thing that it is amazing what pedantic network people can get into about do we take the average of the maxes or the max of the averages and even with just simple interface stuff, how are you measuring it properly and why don't the numbers line up? It's awesome. I hate being bored. Yvonne, I don't know if you remember, you and I and Terry Slattery and Matt Oswald had this conversation probably four or five years ago at an interop around lack of normalized time scale so that none of our numbers match. Yeah. And I think it was more than five years ago, but anyway. And it's still the same. <laughs> we get into that. A lot of this interesting discussions, Avi, that you're observing come from people not ever attending a class in statistics. Yeah, we talk about that and a lot with customers who we lack language with to describe why, given the measurement methods, you can't get more precise, given uh, the data that's come, how it's being measured and how it's being sent, that that's the level of accuracy that one could expect. And I can put more significant digits on it, but it won't mean anything. The way I was taught was how many significant digits actually matter, which is even more basic than statistics. But I will say, I will not name uh, customers or geographies or fields, but there's sometimes we've actually done the equivalent of put the extra significant digits on just to make people happy. Or someone says, this is the boss thing, like the boss FR. Uh, I just need this because my boss thinks they need it. So please do it for me. So it's happened. Oh, you just have to make sure then that the last few digits look random enough. Yes. Because if everything is dot three 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 or dot six six six, it looks suspicious. That's right. I think that one time we decided to do a time function with a hash of the other of the rest of it was hashed with a secret key and the rest of the data to generate I think it was two digits. So I mean, you know, board software engineers come up with all sorts of fun stuff. Okay, so I guess this is just the right time to wrap up. We're all disgusted by telemetry at this moment. <laughs> oh, I have 12 other kinds of telemetry we could talk about, but some other time. So, Avi, if people want to get in touch with you and if they want to know more about your company, where can they find that information and how can they get in touch with you? So the company is Kentik, K-E-N-T-I-K. I'm Avi, A-V-I, at Kentik.com. I'm Avi Friedman on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I'm happy to have conversations directly and help point people to the right thing if it's anything vaguely network operations infrastructure related. Thank you. It's always great having a chat with you, and you never disappoint with your snark and your opinions. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that all of you have uh, opinions and are not afraid to share them as well. Oh, you know us. <laughs> And uh, let's do it alphabetically. Chris, where can people find you? And do you still have self-driving home problems? Oh, yes. My home is, uh, yeah, the singularity is, we're almost there. Um, at Netman Chris on Twitter is probably the best. Uh, and I do want to say, you know, this has been awesome. It's very rare that I find someone whose nerdiness around flow and telemetry and, and <laughs> sheer love and hate dichotomy of the relationship with SNMP that's worse than mine. So this has been awesome. Thank you. And David? Hey, you can catch me on Twitter at underscore IP engineer and on the blog, dave.dev. Um, Chris, you really disappoint me with this whole SNMP thing. But Abby, um, this has been really good. And on the telemetry piece, it's been really great just to chat to somebody, not Juniper. Um, honestly, <laughs> it's been a really, really nice session. So thank you. 
And I'm Ivan Pepelniak. You can find me on ivyspace.net where you can also read my rants on my blog or watch the webinars or listen to other podcasts like this. Thanks for being with us. And Chris, by the way, how do you spell SNMP? Simple Network Magic Protocol. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Software Gone Wild. If you want to learn more about software-defined networking, network automation, and related topics, visit sdn.ipspace.net and explore our courses, books, webinars, and podcasts.